Hey, welcome home. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. I am so blessed and excited that you've tuned into the broadcast today. In just a moment, you and I are going to pray together, use our faith together, and get into the Word of God because that's where change comes from in our lives. But before we do that, I want to remind you that Pearsons Ministries International has a magazine that we call The Legacy Letter, and we want you to have it. All you have to do is stop by our website, pearsonsministries.com, and sign up to receive this free magazine. It goes, about, it goes out about every quarter. And man, we put a lot of heart into these magazines, and we're getting some great feedback great testimonies from people, and they're going all over the world. Uh, we're, we're starting to get into the neighborhood of 10,000 subscribers. We're somewhere at seven, 8,000, something like that, and we're pressing for more. And I encourage you this year to press for more. Whatever God has called you to set your hand to, press into it with all your heart. This is what we're pressing into. We've got a number of ways that we want to get the Word of God to you. The Legacy Letter is one of those. Sarah and I personally write these articles, and then we usually have something going on at the ministry here that we want to feature. Got some great testimonies. So if you've got a testimony, we want to hear from you. You know, you never know, it might end up in the Legacy Letter magazine. So make sure you're getting the Word of God into your life in every way that you can. You ought to be listening to the Word at least an hour every day, I'd say, uh, if not more. I mean, spend some time in the presence of God and just watch what He does in your life. Let's pray together. We'll get into the Word. Father, you're so good. You are so good to us, and we thank you today. We praise you for every good thing you've done, every good thing you're doing, every good thing that's yet to come in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us, what you're doing through us, what you're doing in us. We are such grateful people to you. We come before your word today, Father, with an expectation. This is not just passing and killing time, Lord. We are expecting expecting to see, expecting to hear, expecting answers to questions, solutions to problems. We come today with an open heart, ready to understand who Jesus is in us, who we are in Jesus. And I'm asking you by the help of your Holy Spirit to reveal your plan to us. And I believe in agreement with everybody watching that the needs they have from the inside out will be met today by the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get right back into the word. We've been, excuse me, in a series over the last several weeks now entitled Make Yourself Useful. Make Yourself Useful. And if you've missed any of these broadcasts, let me just encourage you on a personal note here. I like them. <laughs> I, I think, man, God is speaking to us. He's speaking through us. And this is the greatest honor of my life to get here to sit sit down with you in the living room and just come around the Word of God. So go back and get these broadcasts. If you've missed any of them, or maybe you've seen them, you've heard them, but you gotta go back over them again. Get caught up with us. They're available for free. Legacy Studios app, pearsonsministries.com. We've got a YouTube channel. I mean, we're just doing everything we can to get this into your life. But let's go back to where we've begun since the beginning of this year. And uh, that's been in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Be watchful that you don't get tired of hearing these things. Be, be watchful that you're not sitting there going, when is he going to move on from this? Man, we've got to unpack these things. We could spend all year looking at one verse and not get everything out of it that God put in there. So we've got to not get impatient. We've got to just spend some time in the Word, find out what God wants to show us. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. We'll read verses 20 and 21. In a great house, he says, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. 
Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master. Come on, let's make ourselves useful to Jesus. He loves us. He's called us. But many of us, he's waiting on us to be available to him to use. And like we've said so many times already, just because he loves you doesn't mean he's able to use you. Just because he's got a plan and a call, even an anointing and a grace on your life doesn't necessarily mean he's able at this moment in the shape you're in to, be, to, to use you. That's why it goes on to say, let us be prepared for every good work. Let's get ready for the things that he's called us to do. I want him to find me in, in a constant condition of readiness. This has been a big deal to us, to me, to Sarah, to our staff in this ministry. Uh, coming out of last year, going into this year, we all had, we had a family sit-down meeting right in this room that you're, that you're in with me right now. We all sat down and uh, we were able to get really honest with each other. And I was able to share some things with our staff, some areas the Lord had corrected me in along these lines. Some, I, I was able to see where he had made some opportunity available to us that we weren't ready to accept when the opportunity came. Looking back on it now, realizing, okay, I should have been ready then, but I also realized there's mercy. And I have made the commitment first to God, then to my wife and to this staff, and I'm making it to you, the partners of our ministry. We're gonna be ready. Every time the door of opportunity swings open and it's from the Lord, we're going to be ready to take that step of faith through it because faith gets ready. Even when you don't have in hand the thing that you're believing for, you got to ask yourself, would I be ready for it if God gave it to me today? Faith gets ready. Faith makes preparation. That's what this is all about, making ourselves useful. Let's go back to Luke chapter 9, where we've been looking for several weeks now. Again, with verse 57, it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. In other words, he's not ready. Telling Jesus you follow him someday, just not today, is an indication to him. And it should be to you as well. You're not ready. You're not ready. And Jesus is love personified. God is love and love is patient and love is kind. But don't misunderstand that to think that he'll just wait around forever for you to do whatever you want to do and he'll just wait for you. He's patient. He's merciful. And if you haven't been ready, you can get ready, but he's looking at your heart. He's looking at a heart that will obey when he says go. He's looking for someone that's ready to make a step of faith. Even if you're not all the way there, even if you can't right now go out and do everything you see in your heart to do, take a step. Are you willing to take a step? That's all he's looking for. We walk by faith. How do you walk? One step, then another one. Then what? You take another one. Yeah, but what after that? You take another step. All he's looking for is somebody who's willing to take a step of faith. It doesn't have to be a running, flying, jumping leap. It just has to be a step. That's what he's looking for. And he's looking for somebody who's not going to tell him, yeah, later. Because that's what he's encountering here. People who are loved, people who are called, but people who are not ready. 
He said, you let the dead go bury the dead, but you go, and the implication here is you go now. This opportunity is now. Go preach the kingdom of God. Excuse me, verse 61, another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but first, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So Jesus had very direct words in response to their procrastination, in response to them putting him off. Now, again, it wasn't a flat out no. You think to yourself, well, that's good. That's gotta be something, right? I'm sorry. I mean, according to Jesus, it's just not. I mean, these guys allowed something behind them. He said, no one putting their hand to the plow, looking back. These guys let something behind them be more important to them than what was in front of them. And there are many people right here now and maybe some watching find themselves in the exact same condition. They are so inseparably connected to the past, so inseparably connected to what they found to be comfortable. But let's get into this a little bit more today and and let's really focus in on the illustration that Jesus used here, the, the metaphor, the language he used, because no word of Jesus is wasted. And no word of Jesus is something that can just be looked over or taken lightly. If he said it, he said it for a reason. Again, listen to his response. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back. No one having put his hand to the plow. That's, that's the illustration. That's the metaphor Jesus uses to communicate what it's like to give yourself over fully to the plan of God, to the purpose of God, to the kingdom of God. It's like someone taking and putting their hand to a plow. Now, the only reason anybody plows a field is so that they can then come behind it and sow a seed. And in the house of faith, in the word that we preach, because it's in the word Jesus preached, seed sowing is a big deal. Jesus said the whole kingdom of God is like a sower who went out to sow. The kingdom of God, he said, is like a seed. He talks a lot about sowing seed. He talks a lot about reaping harvest. But you and I must never forget that seed can't be sown until the ground has been plowed. Plowing has to take place first. And in Mark chapter four, you see the same thing in Luke chapter, um, I believe it's Luke chapter eight, uh, right, right around here in the same place we're looking. Jesus talked about the sower who sows the word. It's also in Matthew 13. He talks about the different kinds of ground that the word got sown on. We spent a long time on this broadcast talking about that in the series, Why Isn't It Working? where the seed gets sown on different kinds of ground. And three out of four times, it didn't produce anything. And Jesus helped us identify why and how it's even possible that the seed of the word of God and everything that's in it, how it could possibly get put in somebody's life and it produced nothing. And he identified it. And one of the types of ground he said that seed fell on was wayside ground. What is wayside ground? Wayside ground is that hard, packed, dirt that's become a road, you know, where, where people walk and animals tread and it's become so packed in that it, it, it's the closest thing in biblical times to concrete. I mean, you can't, a seed can't penetrate that hard packed ground like that. And they called that wayside ground. And that's why Jesus said some seed fell there, 
But the birds came and devoured it. Why? Because it was just sitting right on top of the ground. That bird did not have to come and dig anything up. Seeds just sitting there and it's, it's there for his taking. And Jesus compared that to what happens to somebody who hears the word and doesn't understand it. Or we could say it like this. They don't value it. They don't honor it. They don't understand the value of it. Jesus said, Satan comes immediately and steals that word. So what's gonna have to happen for, for the seed of the word of God to get planted and take root and spring up in anybody's life? Ground has got to be plowed. Now, here's the thing about plowing ground. And this is the reason why Jesus would say that somebody would put their hand to the plow and then look back. And it's very simple. I believe it's this. Plowing's hard. I think that's the simplicity of it. Plowing is not easy. Now, when you got, you got ground like wayside ground and you're gonna have to turn it into ground that you can sow into, man, you gotta strap that plow on and grab it by the hands, with your hands. And, and what's gonna have to happen is that plow's got blades that dig down into the earth and it cuts up that soil and it takes that, that softer ground beneath the surface and it brings it to the top. And I'm telling you, it's just not the easiest thing in the world to plow ground. I mean, ask any farmer, especially if you could go back a few generations before, before you know, it was gas powered, motor driven, and they were doing this by hand, it was not easy. And so the temptation would very well be to kind of you know, look back. I wanna go back to the house. Forget this plowing stuff. I liked it better when daddy plowed. The truth is seed sowing is easier than plowing. And I'm gonna show you some of the, what I'm talking about here. We're gonna see some of this come together. Go to the book of Acts with me. We have enough time. We can cover some of this today. Acts chapter 12. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Now, don't forget here, we're talking about being useful to the master about being prepared for the work. Somebody who had good intentions, I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna sow some seed, man. We're gonna, we're gonna reap a harvest. We're gonna have all these crops. We're gonna sell them. We're gonna get rich. All these great intentions, all these big dreams. And they started with plowing. And about, I don't know, 30 minutes into plowing, they're like, forget this. Forget seed sowing, forget crops. We'll figure out some other, some other way to get rich. Why? Because plowing was hard. Plowing required something of them. It required dedication. It required commitment. It required some sweat, some willingness to press through and to press on. And you see some of this in action. Watch this. Don't forget what we're talking about here. Acts chapter 12. Let's start in verse 25. Then we're going to read several verses on down into chapter 13. Acts 12, 25. It says, And Barnabas and Saul who would later be named Paul, returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Verse thir or chapter 13, verse one. Now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, and it named several of them here. Verse two, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me, Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them to do. Don't forget what we read in 2 Timothy chapter 2 about being a vessel of honor, sanctified. What's that word mean? Separated. 
You were just a nameless face in the crowd. And when you were separated, you separated yourself from it. That's why the scripture, God said, come out from among them, be ye separate, be holy. You're detaching from that and attaching to him. And the Holy Spirit said, now separate from me or separate to me, Barnabas and Saul, why? What for? For the work. Oh, come on, somebody say it out loud. Work. For the work which I have called them. Okay, so we're talking about the calling. We're talking about the plan. We're talking about the purposes of God. It says in verse three, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now let's read several verses here. Verse four, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia. From there, they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their assistant. So get the picture here. It's Barnabas and Saul, and they got this young guy named John, John Mark. He's there as their assistant, doing what? Assisting. He's helping with the work. Now, when they had gone through the island, throughout the whole island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. Now this man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. This thing just got real. It just got very serious out on the road with Barnabas and Saul. What are they doing out there? The Holy Spirit has separated them and he sent them. Somebody help me out. What are they doing out there? They're plowing ground. They're preaching in places where the word of God has never been preached before. And they got on a boat and off a boat and on another boat and off that boat. And they get out on this city and they preach there. Then they go preach in this city. And then they make their entire way through this whole island until they come across a sorcerer, this demon-possessed, demon-filled, crazy guy who is now withstanding them. Let me tell you something about plowing a field. Sometimes you're gonna bump into a rock. Sometimes there's something in the ground that tries to keep you from moving in the straight line that you're plowing. That's what's happening here. Verse nine, Saul, who's also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. This is where it gets good. Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Oh, come on. Last, last week we talked about Jesus setting his face steadfastly towards Jerusalem. That's what Paul, Mac, you just see it on his face. This isn't just a glance. This is a look. This is a look. I feel like I've seen this look before in, in, in people's eyes when the Holy Spirit just comes all over him. He looked intently at him and he said, oh, fool of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. I like this verse 12. Now the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done. Yeah, I bet he believed when he saw it, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Verse 13, now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia and John departing from them returned 
to Jerusalem. What's going on here? Paul and Barnabas, they're going to keep plowing. But John, the assistant, has decided to stop assisting. Now, why would he do that? The Bible doesn't give us a lot of details except for what we've just read. And I can only assume that what happened to him is what's happened to so many people who since the call of God in their life, maybe even the call to ministry, got out there in it. Perhaps they grew up in a church where you know, thousands of people come and then, man, this is amazing. This is wonderful. You're around believers all the time and it's just the love of God and ooey gooey feelings all the time. And they get out there in their own ministry and they're like, wait a second, this is hard work. What's this hard work all about? Where are the thousands of people? How come, how come nobody's at this service? Nobody's at this meeting? You're plowing ground. And Paul's all about it. And Barnabas is down with it. But John Mark is done plowing. And he goes back to Jerusalem. Now, all we know about Jerusalem and his connection to it, he'd have to go back to chapter 12 and look at verse 12, where they talked about the house of a lady named Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. All we know about Jerusalem and John Mark is that's where mama's house is. So John Mark, He's out there and everything was fine as long as they're preaching in the synagogues. But now they're in uncharted territory. They're plowing new ground. And it got real in a hurry. And now he's face to face with a demon possessed man, eye to eye with the devil personified in the flesh. And this guy's trying to withstand them and withhold the preaching of the gospel and keeping people from believing. This is intense spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. John Mark said, time out, I'm out, I'm going home. Now this got, this was pretty serious to Paul because if you were to skip ahead to chapter 15 and look in verse 36, says, then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go, let's now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. I can tell you firsthand as somebody who travels all the time, it just gets in you. And being home is good, but after a while, there's a hunger to get back out there and preach the word. Barnabas, it says in verse 37, was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now this goes on and talks about a pretty sharp, pretty heated debate that came up between Paul and Barnabas on this. And Paul said, look, he's not fit. Good guy, love him, but he's of no use to us if he's not gonna plow with us. Now here's the good news. I'm running out of time on this broadcast, but let me, let me give you the fast forward short, short version here. Towards the end of Paul's life, he's writing to Timothy and he says, look, this other guy, Demas, he's forsaken me having loved this present world. But he said, I want you to bring John Mark to me because he is useful to me in the ministry. I said all that to show you this. You can go from not being useful to being useful. That's what happened to this young guy. Paul didn't want anything to do with him out on the road, but there was a change, there was a switch. He made himself useful. The bottom line is here, there's mercy for us all. There's mercy for us. But I'm telling you, and I know many of you watching this are in ministry, put your hand to the plow. 
There are gonna be things that try to stop you, things that try to get in your way. Don't go back to mama's house just because it, it got hard. You lean in and you lean on the grace of God. You get that ground plowed and then you start sowing seed and you watch the harvest of souls that come in after that. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.